Hello, you're listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast. Whether you're at work, driving in your car, or getting your workout on, we hope and pray that what you hear today will fill your spirit. Come, join us as we walk through God's Word together. We are still in our series in Acts, which is called Mission Unstoppable. And that what God has set in order, in motion, cannot be stopped. I can't say that enough. You and I may stop, but God's mission can't be. You and I may trip. You and I may stumble. We may decide, I don't want this. But God says, I'm sad for you, but my mission continues. The bus doesn't get off. The bus doesn't stop running because you got off any more than Indigo stops running when you get off at your stop. Because guess what? You aren't the driver. And the bus driver is the Lord, and he is taking this to his end of the line. In the title for today's text, we're going to be looking at Acts chapter 3, verses 1 through 10, is the demonstration and proclamation of Jesus' power through the church. I know that's long. There was no other way to say it. I wasn't trying to be cute. The demonstration and proclamation of Jesus' power through the church, through the early church. And what we're going to see here is many times this is focused on as just even in the text, it has the subheading, I mean, it has the heading there, which the headings in your Bible <clears throat> were not there when Scripture was written. They were put there to help give you clarity. So they are not inspired. But in most of your Bibles, if not all of them, it will say the lame beggar healed. And many times what we'll do with that is that we hone in our attention on just that focus. We see nothing else. And I would say that's not what God wants from us. Yes, that's what happens. But there's more to that than what we saw happened. As a matter of fact, this is a second of one of those pivotal moments for the church. The first one was when the Spirit came and, and we saw the miraculous event. And from that miraculous event, Peter stood up and interpreted that event the way God wanted and proclaimed Christ that day. And 3,000 came. And here now, we don't know how much time has passed in between here, but we know that the church was in motion. Minister Wright preached for you guys where he talked about church 1.0 and where the church was doing what it was intended to do. Whenever you see something from the beginning, uh, when it's put in motion, that's the intention of it. Now, we may stray away from it, but what we saw at the end of chapter 2 is what the church should be and must be doing continually. We like to say, oh, that was the early church. No, that was the church in its early days. That's no more different than saying, oh, that was your family when all the kids were three, and now all the kids are 33 and up. All of a sudden, it's not a family. But no, that's, this was our family in the early days, and this is our family now. And so he's showing you the church in the early days, but in those early days, he has given you its intention. And then as we see that happening, we get a moment in time 
that God wanted told so that we understand again how Christ is pivoting his church in the world, and we need to pay attention. Yes, he healed a man, but there was more to it than that physical healing. Let's read together from verse 1. Now, Peter and John were going up to the temple at the hour of prayer, the ninth hour. And a man lame from birth was being carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple that is called the beautiful gate, to ask alms of those entering the temple. Seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, he asked to receive alms. And Peter directed his gaze at him, as did John, and said, look at us. And he fixed his attention on them, expecting to receive something from them. But Peter said, I have no silver and gold, but what I do have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took up the right hand I mean, I'm sorry, and he took him by the right hand and raised him up, and immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. And leaping up, he stood and began to walk and entered the temple with them, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him walking and praising God and recognized him as the one who sat at the beautiful gate of the temple, asking for alms. And they were filled with wonder and amazement at what had happened. Father, I just pray that as we get into your word, may we see it for you, its intention. Lord, may we get from it what you desire us, and Lord, may we obey it according to your commands. In Christ's name, amen. Love this story. There's a number of things that are actually happening today, but this and the second part, verses 11 through the end of the chapter, verse 26, um, really comprise, it's kind of a two-point, but each point has some subpoints in it. It's a two-point message. That's why I actually said um, part one and part two. And it really is the miracle that happened through Peter. And then the second part, which we'll pick up next week, is the message that came from, pre, from Peter. So it was a miracle and a message in chapter three that we see. And I want us to be able to focus on both because it has, it has great benefit for us as we as a church, as those who are believers, carry out the will of the Lord on a daily basis, corporately and individually. But it also is that which will direct our attention in the place where it needs to be concerning what we do as a church. So the miracle through Peter, a couple of things I want us to realize. The miracle happened because God chose to use prayerful, committed people. They were on their way to prayer. Now, part of this was they were still, at this particular time, Jewish Christians and non-Jewish, I mean, and, and, and um, Jewish non-Christians were still, and again, they weren't called Christians at this point yet, but those Christ followers who were Jews and those who were not were still worshiping at the temple together. Persecution had not broken out where the Jews who were Christians separated from the synagogues because that eventually would happen. 
But at this time, they were worshiping together, and there were two prayers in the day. There was a morning, and then there was an afternoon, and this was the afternoon prayer because the ninth hour, typically how you would do it, the ninth hour after dawn, so this was about 3 o'clock in the afternoon, and they were going for prayer. What do y'all do at 3 o'clock in the afternoon? I'm telling you, most times it ain't going for prayer. I may have to pray about something around that time, but corporately, as a, both as a culture and a people, they were going for prayer, and Peter did not exclude himself from that. Now, remember, this is interesting because when, when Christ was crucified, they hid from the culture. They were not trying to be among the other Jews. They were afraid of them. They didn't know what would happen. But here you see, now they're mixing with the culture. What's the difference? The Spirit of God in your life. The confidence of being saved by Christ, knowing in whom you believe, and thus being able to mix in the culture and not be mixed up in the culture. And so they were in it. They were among people that were going into quote-unquote worship that were not followers of Christ, that did not. They would find out soon the difference, but they were not people that were following the Lord's Christ. But Peter them found themselves for prayer, and so they were committed to prayer. Prayerful people, I used to say, prayerful people have God's ear. No. Prayerful people, God has their ear. Because he can say and do things, and you are listening. Your heart is settled. Uh, it's, it's not just being prayerful, but part of the mix of a maturing believer and thus a growing church is this commitment to corporate prayer. And Peter and John were on their way to prayer as they would normally do. You had two people doing what they normally did, and this day the two would intercede. It's interesting. Some may believe this is the first time that Peter and John saw this man. I would argue that because it said that he was brought there daily. And if Peter and John went for prayer daily, they saw him. But what was different about today? Well, we don't get the backstory. We don't get what God was saying to Peter, but we knew he must have said something because that day things were different. So did Peter all of a sudden see this guy? Did John go, yo, we've never seen this dude here before? But two things were happening. God was causing two people to intercede. You could be going about your day, and things and people that you see every day, one day could change because when you are prayerful, God can say something to you today that was different from any other day, and you'll listen. story that I have that reminds me, although, no, there was no healing that took place. It was more a lesson for me, was the day I was going for a job interview at the bank. I was in New York, you know, this, you know, way back in the early days. Hadn't even met my wife yet. I was still in New York thinking I was going to be there forever. 
And, um, and I'm walking to this job interview for this bank. I'm suited and everything, and I'm walking by. And, um, and as I pass by, um, and this is after the interview, rather, sorry. I saw him on the way there. As I pass by on the way back, I'm just in my mind and mode, and this guy stopped. I mean, this guy that I saw, because one of the things that's kind of dangerous about being in New York is that you can become numb to the homeless, and so you just kind of ignore them. And the Lord was really trying to help me not to do that. And so I would see people, and my gaze would be straight, and I'd just keep walking. You'd say something. I wouldn't say anything back. And so this particular day, um, this man, as he was like, you know, you have any change? I just want to get something to eat. And he was standing in front of a McDonald's there. You have any change? I want to get something to eat. And he had been there. When I went for the interview, it was a good interview, and I'm getting the job. I'm coming back around. I'm feeling good. And he says again, as I pass by, sir, you have any change? I want to get something to eat. And I and, and heard him, and in my mind, I'm walking by. I'm not stopping. I ain't got time. I'm walking by. And as I did, just in my head, I just heard, and it caused me to pause, and he saw that. It said, Curtis, stop. And I'll be honest with you, when I heard it, I was like, please, Lord, I got time. But I slowed down, and he must have seen it, and he just said, sir, I just want something to eat. So I turn around, and in my mind, I'm like, I ain't giving this dude no money. I'm going to buy him some food. If he don't want it, hey, I'm out. That's my little cold heart. And so I stopped. I said, you want something to eat? I said, hey, let's go inside. I can get you something. And it was still early enough that they were serving breakfast. And so we went inside and sat down and talked. And we just began to share, ask him about himself. And as he sat and ate, <clears throat> and then I had the opportunity to tell him why I stopped. I tell him that I stopped because I really, I, I said, the Lord really, I just heard him just tell me to stop. And I think he just wants you to know that he sees you, that he cares about you, and that he wants you to know um, that you need him. And then he said something that floored me. No, that day he didn't pray to receive Christ. I think God taught me something that day. He said, you are the second person this week to stop for me. And both of you told me about Jesus. And I was like, wow, Lord, I would have missed that. I don't know how, okay, my little meal that I gave him helped him, but here was the deal. I saw him, and other people probably saw him, but that day, that moment, God wanted something different. I don't know what happened to this man, and guess what? That's not my responsibility. But I knew God had this brother on a journey, that he had two people stop that told him about Jesus. It's going to click at some point for him. And then the person that it stops and clicks for will have the testimony of that. I let know you were just part of the plan. God led. Now, you had an opportunity to share Christ, and they responded, but what if they don't respond? So here, when I see Peter see, and John, they saw this man. You have to assume they saw this man on a regular basis, and they may have even given him alms. But the miracle happened because prayerful people were committed to listening to the Lord. The miracle also happened because Peter that day was concerned 
about both proclaiming Christ, because I think he did see this, and helping people. They both go together. Sometimes we think, hey, that if I'm going to proclaim Christ, let's just give him the gospel. No, sometimes, you know, give him both. And give him the gospel and your help. And so he comes by, and so he's used to receiving something. And here's a, just a huge picture. He's used to receiving something that would help him temporarily deal with the effects of how he was born. And Peter was about to introduce him to something that would change his life from the way he was born. I want you to see a picture, a demonstration. I believe that Luke and that God, God through Luke is giving us concerning the gospel. There are so many pictures and demonstrations of the, of the gospel and its effect, but also on the believer and his or her desire to serve God well with people out in the world. And so he comes up, and I'm loving this. He says, okay, seen this man lame from birth and was being carried out. And so he had temporary solutions that made his life a little easier but never changed it. And that's what happens in our world. When we are still in our sin, when we don't have Christ, we have temporary things that happen to us and may bring some pleasure. You got that job. You made good money. Maybe you had a nice vacation, temporary. But it doesn't change the state of your heart and your relationship with God. It does nothing for you eternally, but it is giving you some peace. It is bringing some happiness in your life. And he would come and get alms. He would be carried. I wonder how many years did people start and have to carry this man? Now, you have to understand, too, that Luke is a doctor and a physician, so he is understanding this medically as well. This man was incapable of walking himself. He was incapable of moving himself. He was incapable of changing his position, and people were helping him to put him in a position to get at least some help. And I tell us in our life at times, boy, this picture here, of us before Christ, incapable of helping, incapable of doing anything about our spiritual condition, incapable about making any lasting changes in our life. Oh, you may have made some great um, um, resolutions, and you may be carrying some of them out, but it hasn't changed your life. Many of you sitting here today that know the Lord, you know when the change took place. You know how that change took place. You know the result of the change. But I want to take us back to before Christ, because sometimes we like to forget it, especially if it really wasn't very pleasant at all, if it was really traumatic. We like to forget before Christ. But I'm going to take us back there, because he's given us a picture of someone that was crippled, unable to do for themselves except ask for help and at the mercy of others. And yet, can I tell you, that is how every last one of us is before we came to Christ spiritually. 
You may be on top of the world. You may be on your A game. You may be the best in your field, in your class, on your job. It doesn't matter. You may even be the best in your family, although the other family members may be, you know, debating that. But you may, you may think you are at the top and yet can be totally incapable of changing your position before the Lord. And what ends up happening? They come up. He says, seeing Peter, he asked them. I love the play on words. He saw Peter and John. Now, did he see them before? I'm sure. And this day he just thought, oh, some guys coming up to the temple. They may want to give. It is also believed that you get extra points. You're going into the temple. I'm going to give here. I'm really showing my heart. And my concern before I go to the Lord and pray, how am I going to pray before the Lord and this man needs help and I walk by him like he doesn't exist? And so he's hoping for that and he sees them and says something, but Peter, what he sees is different that day. And I love it. And for some of you and I, when God decides to speak to us, he wants us to see something different than what the world is seeing. All this man saw were people that could give him some temporary help and some change and some alms that will just help me through the day. I'll be back here tomorrow. That's all he saw. But what Peter saw through the inspiration of the Holy Spirit was something different. Because it said Peter gazed, he stared at him, and he said, look at us. I put here this miracle. I love how Peter makes it plain that only attention he wants is the attention to prepare the man for what he's about to receive. When you look through this text, that's the only time Peter wants attention is when he is pointing to Christ. He wants to focus on only when he is being assigned toward the Lord. And he says, look at us. And he said it in a way that the man was like, ah, oh, they're going to give me something. Because that was his expectation. And in his expectation, I love this, the way this miracle happens is that Peter, with godly discernment, and a heart that was ready to pray responded as God wanted him to. Do you see that? For you and I, if we are going to respond to the way God wants us to in the culture, we need to be prayerful, committed folk that are able to listen to the Lord at a moment's notice, even if it's different than what he had allowed us to do the day before. And so, I love the fact that Peter acknowledged the man's need, but gave him more than he could see. Peter acknowledged his need. He didn't dismiss his need. He didn't say, oh, come on, man. Hey, hey, you, you, you know what? All you just need is Jesus, and he'll help you. And, and you, know, you, know, you, don't, you don't need to be healed. All you need is Jesus. Now, I'm not saying that Jesus heals everyone that he 
saves that he physically heals because that did not happen. But in this particular case, what he demonstrated for us as the early church is that Peter comes up and says, I know you want something temporary, but I want to give you something eternal, but I'm going to help you with the temporary in the process because he did. How did he help him with the temporary? See, remember, he had to be carried there. He had to ask for alms. And when the miracle uh, happens, it changes everything. Whatever his friends did for him, they no longer had to do for him. He was going to be able to do it himself. But now he has the right focus. Now he has the right perspective. And so what ends up happening? Here's a miracle. Boy, I love it. He says, Peter says, and you've got to believe that Peter was putting into practice what he saw. This has Christ written all over it. The only difference is that Christ didn't say, in the name of me from Nazareth. (laughs) But when you see what he does, go back through the Gospels. This looks like Jesus. This looks like what he did when he healed the beggar. When he healed the man that was brought in, remember that, by his friends? They ripped the man's roof up, dropped him down, and Jesus saw the faith of his friends, and he told him what? Take up your bed, rise up, and walk. Peter was following his teacher because he tells him, look, He knew by then what God had wanted to do. How? I don't know. How are you going to know? I don't know. It's not my business. I know he knew why. Because you were pretty presumptuous if you didn't think God was going to do this, that you tell this man who was crippled from birth, walk. Here's the deal. Rise up and walk. What's walk? I've seen people do it, but if he was lame from birth, he never did it. How do I know how to walk? What's, you know, okay, I saw that guy, one foot. Okay, I've watched people for years do that. But he tells them, and here's the deal. In the name of Christ is not a special incantation code that you say to get what you want. Can it help us with what that really means? What he was saying is by the authority and by the character of Jesus Christ, I'm doing this. That's all he's saying. So when you're praying in Jesus' name, please, if it's something foolish, don't put by the authority and character of Christ behind it because it may not be in the authority and character of Christ. And so what he was saying is, I want to put you, I want to take your attention and draw it to Jesus because he's the one that's doing this. And so he says, and I love this because it's also prophetic, from Jesus, from Nazareth, that's prophecy. What he was saying is that it is being fulfilled right in your eyes. Next week when we get into the message of it, Peter interprets Old Testament Scripture in this miracle three times and tells you what you were seeing was prophesied and is now being fulfilled in front of you. And he tells the man in the name or by the character of who God in Christ is, He says, rise up and walk. And if that ain't a salvation moment, I don't know what is. Let me ask you this. Dead people don't raise themselves up except Christ. 
Lazarus, what did he say? Lazarus, right? Come forth. Lazarus came, right? By the command of God. When he told the man on his bed, rise up and walk. Jesus, the man at his command, rose up and walked. Peter, at the command through Christ, tells the man the same thing. But these are all pictures of what happens in salvation. Let me help you out. You and I were incapable of saving ourselves. I don't care how much good we thought, you weren't being saved by your own decision. Because dead people can't hear. Dead people don't respond. And you and I were dead in our sins, weren't we? And just as this man was incapable of walking because he was born crippled, you and I are incapable of living for God because we were born in sin. Nothing we can do about it. And what happened? One day we heard the command, come to Christ, which is just like saying, get up and walk. And then you could say, what's walk? Because if you look through Scripture, the term walk is always referred to, especially in the epistles, of living daily before the Lord. We say, my walk with the Lord. How are you walking with God today? They're not asking about the, the way you put one foot in front of the other. They're asking about how you're living. And he tells, in essence, this man, get up and live. And then helps him. John Stott, in his commentary, Peter reaches out his hand to help him. He said, the power in this miracle is Christ, but the hand is Peter's. And so the power of God through us is what he wants to happen through his church. God could have had that man get up without Peter. And could have miraculously caused them to, but the way he wanted to do it is people who are proclaiming Christ's power, extending a hand to help those who need his power. And we get the picture. And so he tells them, in the name of Jesus, I mean, by the name of Jesus, I'm sorry, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. And he took him by the right hand and raised him up. Now, understand, here's a doctor speaking. And immediately his feet and ankles were made strong. His ability to walk was instantly strong. There wasn't no game. There was no show. There was no theater. Everyone watching, everyone screaming, healing. This was no healing service. This was in life. I'm going to ask some of those folk that like to have the healing service, bro, take that out to the hospital. That's all I just want you to do. Don't bring it here. Take it to the hospital. As a matter of fact, you really, take it to the street corner. Go find that dude that's on the street corner and raise him up. Don't play no games. You want to be like Christ. This is in culture. This is, this is everything as it happens, and he says that, he says the man's ankles were made strong, and he gets up, he leaps up, and I love what he says that happens. He says he gets up, and, 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 and look, he's not just casually walking. You want a testimony as to how God thoroughly heals? Peter's command is both physical and I believe, too, it's spiritual because how this man responded. Remember, look at this man. He always set up 
outside the temple. He always set himself up outside the place of worship, right? Outside. But when Christ, through Peter, changes this man's life, where does he go? And he enters in. Why? Because he's changed. This is such a picture of the gospel in people's lives and how you and I are to have an impact in it. Why? Because once a man who stood on the outside asking people for help now enters in screaming and praising God himself. He's changed. Oh, he's physically changed, but he's spiritually changed even more. Now, I don't know if he praised God before. It never says it. But what we know afterwards is that everybody saw him praising God. You can imagine the joy in this man's step. It didn't say that he got up and he was just kind of walking. Oh, praise the Lord. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. <laughs> well, see, what I love is that would have been, you see, I, here's what I like. This is real. Because you and I both know if that was you or me, I would have been doing just what this dude is doing. I would have been doing somersaults, cartwheels, purettes. I'm just like, I'm just, whoa, wait. But here, here's my question. How did he know what to do? He just started jumping, and he just, he said, I'm going to move this feet like I saw these other people do all these years, and it worked. See, the issue was for me and you, too. How do we know how to live for Christ? Yes, we have the word. But initially, when you come to Christ, ain't nobody got to tell you a thing. Your heart has changed. It is pointed toward Jesus. You are so sensitive toward him. You are telling everybody who Jesus is, even if it's not at the right time. Be like, oh, bro, like we here to work. I don't care. I'm telling you about him. Look, the issue is he was totally, look, look, there was no decorum at all. I don't even know if if it was that kind of synagogue that he was screaming and shouting in it. Folk would be like, this is not a shouting synagogue. Today it is. Because he would say what you and I said. You don't know what happened. To, oh, no, I'm sorry. You know what happened to me because it says all of you recognized me. He was such a fixture that people knew who he was when he came inside. Wait, 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 wait. Isn't that the dude who was outside? I thought he couldn't walk. And see, I'm just going to point that to some of us. That's why I said this is such an act of salvation's picture. Some of y'all, the way you were before Christ, folk are still shocked looking at you living for Jesus. They're just like, wait, hold on a second. Isn't that? Wasn't he? Wasn't she? Didn't she? Whoa, ho hold on a second. And, and folk are still amazed when they see you. It's like, how? But you are leaping and praising. You're not just walking. You are doing things that people that walk probably aren't even doing. And this man is jumping up and down, and he's still hanging on to Peter of them. But here's what happens with that miracle. The purpose of the miracle, I think, was twofold, to display God's power through this public healing, 
but it was also to get people's attention because they were about to hear something greater than that miracle. As great as that miracle was, what people were going to be introduced to next was even greater. And God wanted everyone's attention in the temple. And guess what? He got it. Let me tell you, when God wants to get our attention, he knows how to do it. He knows what to make happen. He knows what to lay out before us. He knows who to allow to be changed. We would say, well, why didn't God change, you know, was he the only beggar that sat out by the gate? Probably not. But God chose that day to demonstrate through that brother what he wanted everyone else to see. Please don't think that your healing and any miracle that God does in your life is just for you and because you're so special, no one else is. And so God decided to do this. No, God has a greater plan in blessing you. And that plan is that he would have people to be able to talk about you, seeing your life changed and how God has worked. I want to close with this. The people were amazed and were awed. They were in wonder why, because they knew who this person was. They knew his past condition. They knew his past life. They knew it. But they saw something beautiful happen at the beautiful gate. Because the gate was called beautiful. And it was probably because of the way that it was ornately decorated, uh, I mean, apart from all the other gates. Many say this was the Nacor gate and the brass and the fittings and all that were around that gate at the time entering into the temple. And what people saw as beautiful, this man, I'm wondering how many, how many shrugs, how many, you know, frowns he got that in all this beauty, here you come and lay yourself here. And God says, I'm going to make something beautiful at this gate that you call beautiful, and y'all won't forget it. And the issue is the power of Jesus, the demonstration of his power, the demonstration of who he was. Oof. I have to tell us, does this story sound like us? Jesus uses his people to proclaim healing and enables us to live in a way that demonstrate this his healing power we respond by praising god not man for his act of power and salvation entering into the temple place of worship to give witness to the miraculous power and work of god everyone who knew us sees the change and were and are filled with wonder as to how this happened does that sound like you? Because it sounds like me. It sounds like him. This is pivotal. Why? Because God is letting them know change is here. Hope is here. Scripture is fulfilled. If you don't think that's you, I'm wondering if you have truly met the life-changing Savior. Because if you think you weren't that bad, that there was no big change in you, Mm, I'm a little concerned. I'm a little concerned for us. But today, 
Today we saw what God wanted us to see in this, and that is something miraculous that changed in this man's life. And next week, what we're going to pick up on is now Peter interprets this so that people just don't remember the miracle. Miracles are never there just for miracles' sake, guys. They're never there for that. When God does a miracle, he usually has a story with it or behind it. And he is wanting you to see it clearly. And that miracle helps it to be seen as clear as it needs to be. God is calling you and I in this mission to be a part of changing people's lives drastically forever through the power of the gospel while outstretching our hands to help them physically with what's going on in their life. You've been listening to the Solid Word Bible Church podcast, and we trust that you've been blessed. If you'd like to learn more about us, you can visit our website at solidword.org. Thank you for joining us today, and we'll see you next week.